Sub witches, Phil here. Thank you so much for the support that you've shown for our wonderful little podcast. We've hit a few milestones recently, so it's great that our show is going out to so many pairs of wonderful ears. That could all change, though. This episode had us a little torn. Without spoiling too much, it's the worst episode of Sabrina that we've watched so far. Do you remember Sabrina the Teenage Witch as the show? How magical it was? Do you remember how warm and fuzzy it made you feel seeing your favourite characters on screen every week? Do you remember it being really racist? And do you remember it being really sexist? No? Well, allow us to introduce episode 20, which is both those things. Or is it? If you think we're over-exaggerating or reading too into the themes here, then please let us know. Tweet at SabrinaWatch and tell us whether you think this episode really is as bad and offensive as we think it is. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this peculiar episode. And welcome to Sabrina the Teenage Watch, the podcast where three benevolent and brilliant blokes review all 163 episodes of Sabrina the Teenage Witch. We are up to episode 20. Whoa! Yes, we're up to the twos now. Uh, my name is Phil. I am your host and guide through this magical journey. To my left this time is uh, Mr. Graham Riley. Hello, Graham. Hello, Phil. How are you today? I'm, uh, yeah, I'm in, I'm in uh, good form, I would say. Good, it's uh, it's a glorious day. I mean, we've got the curtains closed because who wants to walk past a house where three blokes are speaking into a microphone? But still, it's making the living room really bright. Well, it's the spies from other podcasts who <laughs> might be stealing our ideas that we're guarding from, of course. Exactly, so we are very clever. And making his first appearance on the podcast, it's Fragile Chris. Chris, how are you today? I'm hanging. <laughs> You're hanging. <laughs> I'm hanging. Um, I'm rougher than a badger's arsehole. Okay, but are you? Did the did Sabrina lift you up? Lift your spirits? No. 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 Not at all. And why is that, Chris, specifically? Because she's being a bitch. She's being an absolute bitch. We were just getting really close to Sabrina when we were really warming towards her and thinking, you know what? You did have your dick. You did have your bad times, but. You're maturing, you're, you know, becoming a really good character that we want to get behind. But in this episode, she is a bit of a bollocks. <laughs> but, to be fair to uh, to her, not much brings out a teenager's teenageriness. Quite like one of your parents shacking up with somebody new. Yes, it's, it's in the teenage circles. It is justified. Yeah. So Sabrina is being an absolute cow in this one because it's called Meeting Dad's Girlfriend. Now, at the end of all our uh, episodes beforehand, we do have a little guess of, just based on the title, what this episode's going to be about. But yeah, you guys pretty much got it. There's, they made it there's no easy. hiding. So. They made it very easy for us yeah. this time. So in this episode, um, Sabrina wants to introduce Harvey to her dad. However, what she's not prepared for is her dad introducing her to his new girl girlfriend. It's a bit of a touchy subject. Chris was very um, taken back by this episode when you're very... Sometimes when you're angry, there's humour behind it, but there is no humour behind it. You are livid. I'm, li- I'm seething, mate. <laughs> Absolutely. So <laughs> Fucking seething. <laughs> so, episode 20, Meeting Dad's Girlfriend. Uh, the episode opens with Sabrina struggling to open a jar of bolognese sauce, as does Hilda, and so does Zelda. They try using magic. After all, she says, the finger is mightier than the wrist. (coughs) Giggity. Um... (laughs) Uh, But that too doesn't work. Sabrina storms off in a paddy. It's great having supernatural powers, Zelda says, but it's times like this we could really use a man around the house. For fuck's sake. This this really was sort of like... I mean... Perhaps we're not the best people to make this point. But, a woman wrote this episode, okay? Nell Scoville wrote this episode. She's evidently a very intelligent, very funny, worldly woman. Um, You know, the the characters, Sabrina, Hilda and Zelda. Zelda in particular. Very smart, very capable ladies. Um, 
it was extremely reductive and extremely backward for them to... And this, this, it, this isn't a throwaway line. This is a persistent fact throughout the episodes. Yes, you can do magic, but some things only a man can do. Yeah. And that's a terrible... Well, no, no, no. I have to agree with that point. There are some things that only a man can do. Like wank, like wank off his own penis. Or, or stand up while peeing. Shewees. Ah, but that's got like an attachment. Yes, I'm talking no no attachments. Stand up to urinate. Okay, but in terms of like things that you need to get through life, men can also grow beards without fear of prejudice. (laughs) That's true, Um, and obviously that was covered in the last episode. Yeah, it was. Um, Yes. Okay. So there are literally some things only men can do, but. Opening jars isn't one of them, and um, I mean there is a little bit of a debate on sexism, but it's not really delved into. Yeah, Hilda brings it up again, which is which is again very surprising. Uh, but but it, we'll we'll cover that when we get to that particular scene. But but it's Zelda who said it, and yeah. it's like if anyone in the show shouldn't be saying it, it's Zelda. Well, to be honest, both of them shouldn't really say. It. Zelda is very intelligent and very independent, um, yeah. and Hilda is very sort of quite boisterous, isn't she? Quite yeah. She she's like the the blokey character and she's yeah I guess so, so yeah so even she shouldn't really be saying it you know it's yeah I was I was, I was, I was disappointed yeah but uh, well prepare to be disappointed even more as the titles come uh, and uh, Sabrina is dressed as like a scientist yeah uh, yep. uh, and she just says free electrons while they last yeah yeah yep. less said about that the better <laughs> hashtag <Yep>. physics bants <laughs> um. anyway let's gloss over that uh, we begin in Sabrina's bedroom where she's talking with her father Edward Spellman uh, through her big magic spell book she suggests that when he comes to visit they should go to the ice rink and that she should bring Harvey however she panics when her dad sounds a bit too enthusiastic yeah it'll just be a casual meeting between her father and his daughter's first serious boyfriend they're in a relationship now, boys. I thought you were going to say they're going steady, which yeah. is the best term for, yes. uh, for, for what they're doing. Yeah, they're very, going... Very, very nice, innocent, sort of teenage sort of uh, relationship they've got going on. Yeah. Because obviously we had the first kiss episode, but then during the Cat Showdown episode, they didn't really, again, sort of embrace like they were yeah, in I mean, a couple, but at least we've finally been told, and it's not by Sabrina or Harvey, it's by her dad. That book, right? Yes. You can talk to people in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they can presumably see you. So it's essentially a paper Skype, right? I guess, yeah. yeah. So, theoretically, if you left that book open on a page and they came to visit, they could effectively spy on you if you left the book open. Mm, maybe. How f- that's fucking creepy. Well, we see something even creepier that witches can do with regard to spying on people uh, later <laughs> in this episode. <laughs> yeah. When Sabrina visited Aunt Vesta, she had that TV that could focus on anyone in the world. Yeah, yeah. yeah. People worry about, you know, sort of the, the the state spying on them and things, don't mm. they? You know, sort of, you know, government agencies and GCHQ and all this. Witches, man. <laughs> They're the real deep state. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. We've said it once, we say it again. Witches be crazy yeah. and quite... Uh, Intrusive. <laughs> Intrusive and dangerous, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So Sabrina heads downstairs, invites her aunts to the ice show, but they decline. Yet suddenly show interest when she says that Harvey and Ted will be meeting. Now that's a show worth seeing, Hilda says. At school, and Sabrina has just told Harvey that he's going to meet her dad, which causes him to sweat insanely and instantly. Does he like sports, he says? No. Does he know anything about cars? No. Military aircraft? No. I'm sure you'll find something to talk about. No. Sabrina says, uh, what, what about you? We could talk about you. No! Sabrina shouts. So at least we now know what's been drilled into Harvey's mind when he talks to his dad. Yeah, uh, so yeah, f- f- further further carries on along the sort of um, little narrative we've been building on uh, Mr. Kinkle, despite never having met him and maybe we never will, that he is just this absolute like stereotype of a blokey bloke who only cares about sports and cars and and war. Um, <laughs> yeah, so a, a sensitive soul like Harvey probably doesn't have much in common. It's just, to him, those are dad conversation topics. Yeah, and, and, but it's it's interesting seeing Harvey when he's saying, like, does, does he know anything about this? He's panicking because it's like that's the only things he knows. 
Yeah. Like, I know so much about sport, I know so much about cars, yeah. so much yeah. about helicopters and planes, but... But, but it's not because he's researched it, it's because that's the only thing his dad will ever yeah, fucking talk the, about. It's the yeah. only thing he talks about casually at home, and... Yeah. Oh. Yeah. There's probably only... Probably the football... NASCAR and Apocalypse Now on TV in the Kinkle household. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, we mm. later see that uh, yeah, Robbie Benson, who, who does play Edward Spellman, has got a cracking set of teeth, so maybe Harvey should have just spoken about dentistry to yeah. him. Yeah, well, you wouldn't need to do much to old Robbie, though. He's a, no, he's a finer specimen of a mouth. Yeah, <laughs> and he's, he's got a nice ping in his teeth as well, which, yeah, sure. uh, which does play a nice role, but we'll come to that when we get to it. So back home, and Salem, who sat in the garden for some reason, is amazed that a month has passed since her dad's last visit. What? Hang about. <laughs> so sorry, come again? He visits every month. Once a month he visits. Once a month, and yeah. this is the first time we're meeting him. His visits must be dull. I know. Because no, nothing spins off from them, does it? No. There's, there's no mention of this, but it's been a month already, Salem says. Yeah. So, yeah, apparently uh, Ted has showed up, said fuck all of any relevance. Uh, <laughs> and then pissed off again. And pissed off again. And he, and he can't sort of defend about that. Oh, maybe it's just been a month since the show started. No, no, we've had Halloween. <laughs> we've had Christmas. We've had Valentine's Day. That covers at least... What, four months? Five what? months? October, November, December, January, February. Yeah. So we're definitely in March. We're in the and sixth she, month. And she started the school term, we assume, in maybe September or so. Yeah. So six months have passed. And we're only just learning that, oh, yeah. Monthly visits. Yeah, he's been visiting every now and then. But but they've not even referenced it. Just yeah. like, even like a little throwaway comment, like at the beginning of one episode, she could have gone, yeah, spoken through the linen closet. Bye, Dad. Yeah. Bye. Yeah, like, but absolutely nothing. They, yeah, they must, these must be very, you very... Know what? And, and he's written some of these episodes where he's not been in. He could have written himself in just to go... There must, there, must be some very, there must be some very, very dull visits. Salem didn't even need to say, oh, it's been a month. This could have just been the first visit. Yeah, <laughs> but I suppose they were probably trying to address the sort of, you know, uh, hypothetical question. If he's only in the other realm and we've seen that people can transfer freely between the two, why does he not show up more often? But still... It sort of led to another question of, why have we not seen this before? <laughs> yeah. But then again, it could just be Salem going mental, because after that he says uh, he's also unsure on what day of the week it is. He's a cat, he doesn't need to know. Yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't need to know. If, if you had no no routine that sort of relied on day and time, you, you'd lose track as well. Yeah. yeah. Well, you just say, what day is it, Tuesday? He goes, no, it's Friday. Whoa, I was well off. <laughs> like he's, yeah. yeah, he's gradually becoming a cat. Yeah, more and more. Um, so in the kitchen, and Hilda is still trying to open that bastard jar of bolognese sauce. Ted will be here soon, and he'll open it. Zelda oh, says. Oh, oh. Which again, we've already said it. That's quite surprising to come from Zelda for anyone. However, surprisingly, Hilda stands up and says, "Why? Because he's a man." That is so sexist. Yeah, you're damn straight it is. Zelda's defence as to why it's not sexist. Did you get this? No, I didn't. Is men have more upper arm strength? <laughs> I mean, fucking hell. <laughs> Jesus. That, that, that was the point at which I was like, oh. Yeah. Um, d- d- mm. It's like, Zelda, have you not seen Nicole Bass? Well, yeah, exactly. You know, when you talk about Nicole Bass, just steady fucking, like, you know. I'm just going to put this out there. I could get beaten up by a girl. There are many, many women out there who have. Well, a hell of a lot stronger than we are, chaps. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Put together. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the reason that, that, you know, she can't just say. All men have more upper body strength than us feeble women, but that's like that's not even like a fact. And no. Zelda's supposed to be a scientist who yeah, a scientist. works within facts. Like it's mm, yeah, I'm, I, I was I was it's it's only a running gag about a jar. But I think I think the thing is that like this again, we're not the people to say it. We're all men, but um, you know, this is a series about women and about strong women, and so far it's avoided going into any cliches. Yeah. The characters are well-rounded, amazingly so in a way for something that's 20 years old. Um, you know, way, way more well-rounded than they are in Friends, for example. Um, yeah, and to, to see them go down this road, it's I, I thought you were better than that, yeah. Sabrina the Teenage Witch, I did. Because Hilda and Zelda, like, they are very strong women, and they've... I mean, I know Hilda falls in and out of love with, like, Drell and things, but, yeah, but... The, the characters are very, sort of, we don't need no man, is it? They're, they're, yeah. they're based on together. And even the the men that Zelda has apparently dated have all been just mortal. So she yeah. has been, by the her birthright, she's more superior to them. 
Yeah, I guess. So, you know, it's it's a bit bizarre for such a... For two sexist comments coming from one character who shouldn't be making them. No. From a show that really shouldn't be making them either. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, uh, at the end of the day, there, there shouldn't have been any sexist comments whatsoever because it, it didn't forward the plot. It didn't... Yeah. It didn't do anything. No. It was just there. So yeah. it's like, it didn't fall with the plot. It didn't give us character development. It was just there. It was just thrown in. And it shouldn't have been. <laughs> Young girls watching the show would be like, well, I, 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 need, I need to get married. I need to find a man when I grow up. Otherwise, I'll never open any jars. i never have spag bowl. i never have... <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> That's what they're all saying. Uh, so after a few moments of bickering, a booming beast-like voice, or rather... The voice of Beast comes down the stairs, and it's Ted, Sabrina's incredibly soft-spoken magician-like father. Yeah, with a wonderful little goatee, and you know, flowing luxurious flo- hair, yeah, flowing nineties locks, and of course, this booming voice he can occasionally affect, which he used to great effect in Disney's Beauty and the Beast. Indeed. Now we've mentioned uh, Edward Spellman, played by Robbie Benson, a few times on the show because he is a a writer and a director as well. So we, you know, his name has cropped up before. Um, but no, we'll, we'll briefly talk about his, uh, his his works up until this date, anyway. Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, The Beast is by far his best-known uh, role in terms of acting of any kind, either voice acting or um, in the flesh. Um, but he is, as Phil mentioned, a TV writer and director of considerable renown in sort of the 90s sitcom circles. He directed episodes of Friends, which we just mentioned, um, and of, uh, of Ellen as well. And we, we love, don't we, we love early roles oh, with, yes. you know, sort of extremely literal character names. He first appeared, I think he would have been about 10, 11, in the 1967 feature starring Chris's ski instructor, uh, Audrey Hepburn, <laughs> as Boy Tossing Ball. Yes. So if you want to see how boys should toss balls, that's Wait <laughs> Until Dark, which is a psychological thriller Indeed. starring um, yeah, Chris's... <laughs> you are aware what you've just said. If you want to see how boys should toss balls, you need to wait until dark. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> that's literally what you've just said. <laughs> Well, it's true. <laughs> true. True on both counts, I guess. Um, so, yeah, so that's just a little bit about Robbie Benson. But, yes, notably, yeah, he is the voice of Beast. He uses it a few times here. Uh, not very often, because probably for copyright reasons, they can't just keep using his voice on a non-Disney project. But, uh, yeah, he voices Beast in the films. It's straight-to-DVD releases and appearances in lights of, like, Kingdom Hearts and yeah, all, all video games. So, yeah, Robbie Benson. Literal beast. Indeed. Uh, he bestows upon Sabrina a gift, a magic camera, that impressively, boys, takes photos in an instant. Like a Polaroid, Sabrina asks. We had the technology first, Ted says through gritted teeth. Uh, she takes a photo and the flash seems to blind them all. Yes. This is a running joke that everything that the mortals in the 90s hold so precious have been witch artifacts and items and things for years before. Tell you what, though, don't remember anybody being blinded by a Polaroid flash. Yeah. And the photos that develop from this camera, of which we do see one, are more or less Polaroid quality. So, you know, the witches sort of... The mortals have caught up witches. You need to sort of move on to the next evolution of this technology now. Yeah. And yeah, then... you would have thought that they'd have, like, HD Polaroid or something. Yeah, and also, I mean, like, you know, again, obviously Harry Potter, same same universe. Um photographs move and we see the people in the book move but these photographs are static it's a bit shit yeah. really. I mean we yeah. do see them from reverse angles if we saw in Cat Showdown yeah we do yeah oh they, they've got some they've got some interesting photo technology but um, yeah I think they're sort of they should be light years ahead and presumably at one point they were they were probably taking these you know instant colour photographs back when you know with us, it was still watch the birdie big um, curtain you know long uh, wooden cameras so yeah, they, they they need to sort of you know they've gotten complacent. I think <laughs> yeah. you know they've rested on their laurels and they need to uh, they need to sort of up their camera game. Anyway, two hours seemingly pass and Ted finally manages to open that jar of sauce. Yeah, if they'd taken a page out of Hilda's book when she made Christmas dinner, there was really no need for it. Yeah, because she should just make Christmas dinner. Ding. Oh, we're having spag bol for tea. Ding. You know, so the the jar is really there is no need for it. It is just there to make sexist jokes and. I told you, there's no point to it. No point to it at all. Makes it all the more worse that there's no point. Just as we speak those words, Ted magics up a Chinese feast, complete with traditional decorations, clothing, and racist accents. Oh, this... 
Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I teased, I teased this scene, like, God, like, in the first couple of episodes yeah. of, of our know, podcast. You know what the thing is as well, Phil? I've forgotten about this since, <laughs> since we watched it because of the sexism and Serena being so awful. I've forgotten there was a third really awful thing. Um, this is just a fucking clusterfuck. This, this might, episode might be the worst thing, to be honest. I mean, okay, so yeah, um, everybody is wearing traditional Chinese garb while they eat this meal, and they are speaking. Can't say for certain, but it does seem like it is actual Chinese because it's it's not sort of. I mean, I, I don't want to do what um, like. Chinese sometimes sounds like in shows where they've not done the uh, thing, but you know, it it does sound like an actual language, actual sort of words. However, they probably are absolutely butchering the pronunciations of things because I imagine very few, if any, of these actors actually speak Chinese, so they are probably just they've probably just been given some sounds to memorize. Yeah, and if you spoke Chinese like that to an actual Chinese person. They probably punch you in the face. Yes, because yeah. there's so many languages within Chinese. You know, the the worry is that they're just speaking, like Google Translate Chinese, like yeah. just everything mixed together. Just is just a generic Chinese language. Just saying it's, but I mean, they, they, they could very well be speaking it properly. But it's like the inflections of uh, some of the words, and it, it's been done for like comic effect and yeah, like uh, and it's it, it was unnecessary. Proper. Because the studio audience, or the can laughter, we don't really know, is, is just laughing during it because it's like, <laughs> look at them, they're dressed differently. I like to think there were some Chinese people in the audience just. They're just having say. a standard conversation, shaking their head, going, they're just talking about standard things. Badly. After they speak Chinese for a little bit, um, yeah. it does a, you know, like, like a bit of time has passed at the end of the meal. And we join Sabrina, still speaking in Chinese, telling the end of a joke. But she's telling like, like a ye olde joke where the punchline is about three yaks. Yeah, and that's very sort of like Chinese people are like, well, the the Asian, the world is developed. The world is is like, they're not all just these ye olde yak farmers and yeah. stuff. That I mean, some Chinese people will still farm yaks, just as some um, you know European people still you know milk cows and what have you. But um, yeah, just the whole thing is just something that you. Oh, okay, okay. Don't want to get too much into racial politics, but. Imagine, okay? Imagine if they said, we're going to have fried chicken. You can guess what I'm saying. If everybody started acting black, it just wouldn't be on, would it? Mm. Even in the 90s, it wouldn't be on. The point of it is it's supposed to be funny. That's why, there's all, the <laughs> really? la- that's why it... all the laughter is on top of it. We're supposed to be laughing at this, but it's... It's really, really It funny. is worse than the opening credits. I think the worst thing is, is that it's not funny because it's racist. It's not funny because it, is it? No, bear with me. It's not funny because it's racist and not funny. Right. It's like just not funny. It's not like it's not. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. Is it's not funny just because it's racist. It's not funny because it's racist and not funny. Like there is just no people chatting and there's in, no jokes. And, yeah, it's people chatting in Chinese, but they might not know how to speak Chinese. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the one gag is Hilda in Chinese says, I don't understand what you're saying. Yeah. That's supposed to be the gag, but it's like that. That doesn't work. Yeah. It's, you can't, you can't create this really racist scene just for a joke. (laughs) Let's be clear though. The joke here really is they're speaking another language and that language sounds silly. (laughs) Yeah, that's. That's right. But it's like, well, what if they wanted Italian? Would they have all sat around and heard, babbidi boobidi, boobidi babbidi boobidi bab? I bet they probably wouldn't even bother speaking Italian. They probably would have literally just gone babbidi boobidi boobidi. <laughs> Terrible. But fucking hell, like, it's just. And then to make it worse, uh, Serena, in a Chinese accent, goes up and says that she's going um, to see if Salem's alright or wants, if Salem wants some ice cream. And she says Salem, and then says it whatever in Chinese, and Salem just goes speak English. <laughs> uh, yeah, like, like some like some redneck, like <laughs> yeah, terrible. Oh God! After Salem shouting uh, to Sabrina to speak English, she does, and thankfully the episode stops being 
really, really offensive. Suddenly, Sabrina can hear a knocking sound from her bedroom. It's her spell book, which is going mental. It turns out that inside the book, she opens it up, and there's a woman called Gail, a friend of her father's, and she wants to chat to him. So she takes the spell book downstairs to give to Ted, who sits down and chats to the mystery woman. It's like Skype. It's like Skype. It is like Skype, isn't it? She just called up and said, excuse me, I want to... I want to speak to your hunky dad. Uh, Hey, what's up? I thought you were in court today, Ted asks. Oh, I was, says Gail, until Drell disintegrated the judge, so he adjourned for the weekend. And she then, boys, wonders if she can join them. So Ted, busted, gets interrogated by the Spellman gals, forcing him to admit that Gail is his girlfriend and that he's been seeing her for ten months. Mm. Ten months, Sabrina yells. Does Mom know about this? And Ted says, Sabrina, me and your mum have been divorced for six years. So at least we know the time frame of Sabrina's parents being apart. Yeah. It's the first time we've had a bit more details in their relationship and their subsequent split. Where did Sabrina live before she lived with Hilda and Zelda? Um, wherever her mother was. Yeah. Wherever. Her, so she lived with the mother, not with her father. Because I, th- no. I think her mother Foreign had... service, remember? Yes. Oh, yes, yeah. of course. Uh, just one of those moments of ten months, but we've just established that it's been six to seven months. So the relationship started before Sabrina moved in with Hilda and Zelda. Yeah, it did. Yeah, yeah God, he's been, keep, been keeping that keeping all that through her rest. sort of becoming yeah. a witch. Yeah, because yeah, I mean, we, we learned in it like, towards, the, I think, on the first episode that Sabrina's mum is a an archaeologist, isn't she? So yeah. she's probably studying and then she's gone away and it's yeah. like, well, you've got to live with, with your aunts and stuff. So, yeah, so ten months have been going on for. Um, so Ted invites her round and Hilda and Zelda are thrilled. Sabrina, not so much. She leaps from the book, introduces herself and they all go out for ice cream. Well, I might as well introduce you to our Gail. Who is she? Uh, she's Charlene Fernette. In Sabrina terms, by far the uh, most notable thing uh, we should mention is that in the TV movie, which we will cover eventually, she played Aunt Zelda. She did. And it, it's nice that even though she uh, was... Uh, I mean, maybe she didn't want the role for a whole series, maybe she couldn't commit to it, but... Um, yeah, even though she was uh, usurped by uh, our Beth, um, that they that they invited her back to play quite a significant role. Yeah. So yes, yeah, so she doesn't make any more appearances in the show. She's just here as as Gail. So uh, her first starring, well, her first lead role uh, was in a TV show called uh, Street Justice, which uh, oh, she was in it for forty four episodes, the whole duration, and it finished a couple of years just before this, uh, starring Brian Genesee, who was one of those names in nineties straight to DVD action. Flicks. I've seen a few, and I've got a few of them. Notably, Cyber Cop Three. Yes, he's in. We've, we're a big fan of the Cyber Cop franchise, yeah. and a Tactical Force, which is a film where the opening ten minutes is a slow motion helicopter f- flight. Really, and the end scene is a court scene. So it's <laughs> <laughs> it's a fucking dreadful film. Um, and also, Carl Weathers. <laughs> Good old Carl from uh, what else was he in? Just about Predator. That's the only thing I know. Predator is by far his, uh, his biggest role. Yeah, uh, but let, let me tell you about uh, Street Justice. This sounds fabulous. This, this will be one that we'll have to watch as well as, of course, Baywatch Nights. Mm. Adam, this is uh, Carl Weathers, was a soldier in Vietnam when he got wounded. He was fortunate that a young boy named Grady, Brian Jensen, whose parents were missionaries, found him and got him help. Years later, Adam is now a cop and he has always vowed to find Grady, who he never saw again after that. Eventually, he finds and discovers that Grady's parents were killed, and he spent most of his life trying to survive. He would become a martial arts expert, so because of it, uh, Adam gives him a job at the bar that he co-owns with Kelsey Malloy, which is our Gale. Uh, every now and then, Adam has a case wherein he is unable to do anything to help the victim because of, you know, legal technicalities. <laughs> so Grady steps in to help doing things his way, which sometimes doesn't sit well with Adam. Sometimes Adam has to put his job on the line to help Grady when he goes too far. He becomes a cop, and when he can't do things his way, he gets a martial arts expert <laughs> to, <laughs> to deliver street justice. Excellent. That that does sound like a riot. Also, it ran... Probably caused a riot as yeah. well. Yeah. Sounds also, fabulous. Also, it ran 1991 to 1993, i.e. the craziest part of the 90s. <laughs> so, yeah, we'll definitely have to check it out. It sounds, sounds like an absolute hoot. It, <laughs> it sounds like... It's, that was 
just fucking ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Just fucking ridiculous. Oh, I know. Yeah, you, you work in the bar that I co-own with whoever. I'm also a cop. Oh, look, I can't. This case is doing my head in. Oh, do you fancy going to kick the shit out of some guys <laughs> for us who are transporting cocaine over the river? Yeah, I can't use my police uh, responsibilities to arrest people. One, it might be much easier and quicker if you just kick them in the chops. Yeah, well, well welcome to 80s, 90s cop shows. That's <laughs> yeah. how they worked. Yeah. What we'll do is we'll have to watch a random episode of Street Justice and a random episode of Baywatch Nights and see which one makes the least amount of sense. <laughs> <laughs> Are we going to watch the sci-fi era of uh, Baywatch oh, Nights? Of course, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to start anywhere else. Anyway, at the ice cream parlour, Zelda is asking Gail how she and Ted met. However, jealous that her dad is giving his undying attention to someone else, Sabrina blurts out some nonsense and ruins the flow of the story. I mean, it was a bit of a saving grace because Gail continues to tell her terrible story with a joke about having e-negative blood and nobody laughs at first. Hilda gradually laughs when she learns that it's about blood. And we know that Hilda likes blood. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, the, the joke is that um, Gail and uh, Ted met uh, giving blood. That's Spellbook uh, Blood Drive. Yeah. yeah. They both have E-negative e uh, type blood, which is very rare. And the joke is that she said to Ted, you're just my type, which is terrible. But yeah, Hilda likes blood. So she The ice cream arrives and Sabrina makes a remark about her mum, which Ted doesn't appreciate and gets very defensive when Gail asks to have a spoonful of her sundae. Ted begins to lose his patience with a rather immature Sabrina, causing Hilda and Zelda to get a little concerned. Okay, this is it. This is where it begins, people. This is We've... the cuntoning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is it. We've had the sexism. We've had the racism. Now we're having Sabrina as a fucking bitch. Some full-blown twattery going it on is here. Ju it's like, it's the start. So the start is... Interrupting the story, then not wanting to share the the Sunday, and then saying, "Do you want the cherry? I don't like them." It's like, "Do you wish to have my shit that I do not want to have?" There you go, Gail. It's just, oh god, it is pure teenage smarm. Bad blood jokes aside, Gail is lovely. She, <laughs> you know, she's absolutely, you know, she's not like all over Ted, sort of like rubbing it in to Sabrina, so I'm his girlfriend now, you know, she's very sort of, you know, very... She knows her place, doesn't she? She, she knows, knows that... She knows her place, she's very, she's very, she's very polite, she's aware, you know, that it's a difficult thing for Sabrina to get her head around and she's willing to sort of, you know, work gradually towards being accepted by her. But Sabrina wants none of it. She's just being yep. an absolute ass. So the family arrive back home, ready to play charades. Or charades, which is the right way. Charades. Charades. Is it charades or charades? No, charades is the British term and is also truer to the French where it comes from. Charades is a corruption by those Yanks. So, uh... <laughs> okay, so charades it is then. However, Sabrina says she'll pass and she heads upstairs to give Salem his ice cream and to do her homework, worrying her father. So he heads upstairs to talk with her. So Sabrina dumps Salem's bag of ice cream in front of him, but doesn't open the bag for him. Uh, he then begs Ted to do it, but he fobs him off, causing right. Salem to cry at his gradually melting dessert. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, will you help me with this? It's like, no, Salem, you can do that yourself. You can use a laptop, you can drive a car, you can answer a phone, you can open a bag. Get on with it, son. I mean, well, he does. He, just, does. he, he I think he, it was an excuse eats, just for the cry, wasn't he, it? He, well, I'm glad we got the cry. He eats through the bag in the end. Yeah. Um, Fred Astaire came to have eaten ice cream every day of his life. Wow. I just, I just read that the other day and ice cream came up I didn't think it'd ever be relevant so that's, yeah. um, that was very good I enjoyed that yeah. Ted talks to Sabrina about her noticeable problem with Gail telling her that she has to accept the new woman in his life that both he and she need to move on and he won't be reuniting with her mother Sabrina reluctantly agrees that she can come with them to the ice show tomorrow walking past Salem who has successfully torn open his bag of ice cream he did it Chris he did it all on his own doesn't explain how he answers the phone. <laughs> <laughs> no, God, you're as bad as Chris. Uh, they both head downstairs as they're flicking through a very old photo album featuring powdered wigs and Ted in a kilt, which causes him to lose his fucking mind and use the Beast voice. Yeah. Close the photo album. Yeah, he just goes like, he goes, oh, you're just in time. Here's a picture of you in a kilt. Put the book down. Wow. So Sabrina sits down with uh, the ladies and her father and insists that Gail talk about herself because she wasn't paying any attention since she's arrived 
so she asks about uh, her job, how long they've been dating, and the, the killer question, if they'll ever get married. Gail says yes, but Ted says no. Right. That is not the sort of question that you ask. And she knew it. She, she knew, knew it. it. She knew it was she a engineered touchy. a situation where conflict would arise with the exact. And, 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 you tell Graham's angry because his mouth's getting more and more closed, but he's, the words are still coming out. You, you know, like I think. I think the real sort. Of, the, the point. I think when Sabrina reaches peak prick in this episode <laughs> is where obviously, yeah, they have this te- this situation where it's like. Did you say yes? Yeah? Did you say no? Yeah? So you don't want to get married? Well, no, I've done the marriage thing, and, you know, they have this sort of, you know... They have this back and forth of a little bit of a... Of a hang on, I think you said this, I yeah. said this. Are you sure about that? Yeah, I'm sure about this. Are you sure about this? No, I'm not sure about that. Are you sure about that? But you just said this, and that's not going to happen. And it's all down to Sabrina being a twat. Yeah. And Gail then says, I need time alone, jumps back into the book... Sabrina shuts the book in a way like, that's the end of her then. Mission yeah. accomplished. <clears throat> well, the reason they leave is because because um, Ted says, you know how I feel about marriage. I've done the marriage yeah. thing. And Gail says, well, I haven't, and I want to experience it, which is, no, it's fair. Yeah, absolutely. Ted shouldn't allow his uh, his failed marriage to, to prevent him having a happy one. The institution of marriage is not inherently prone to failure. Yeah. It's, you know, a marriage is as good as the two people in it. Um, and if he really thinks that, you know, Gail is, is the one for him, then he should be open to the idea. Maybe not right away. They've only been together for ten months, but at some point. At another point, ten months. They've been they've only been together for ten months. There's plenty of time for the whole marriage thing. You don't ask someone questions about marriage yeah, once they've been together for ten months. They're still in the honeymoon period. Aren't exactly. They? But if you do, someone doesn't straight away rule it out. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. Yeah. And then the other one doesn't lose the shit and jump back into a magical book. Yeah. Well, that has happened to me a few times. <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> I'd like to just say one thing. The uh, special effects, great. Yes, again. Yeah. Just there's one positive note. For this episode, special effects, great team, great work, seamless, well done. Yeah. Moving on. Flawless diving into a book. <laughs> yeah, you know, as someone who's seen a lot of book diving over the years, <laughs> they captured it perfectly. Uh, it's the next day and Sabrina comments about how smelly the house is, uh, because it turns out that Ted didn't sleep last night and thought he'd make himself useful. Of course, that useful thing being opening every jar in the house. It's a fucking waste. It's a fucking <laughs> it waste. Is. To be fair, they are sort of very uh, ecological here. They do. Yeah, they make the, mo- the best out of a bad situation. Yeah, they, they do. But he, 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 when, he, when he opened those jars, he opened something else, that being a can of worms. <laughs> yeah, but again, uh, he did the only thing a man could do that uh, keep him up all night. Open all the jars, because only a man can open jars. Of course, yeah. yeah he probably probably put up a shelving unit as well, didn't he? <laughs> but then it, make, it makes me think that, obviously, we've been talking about that, oh, women, they have to depend on men opening jars. No, they fucking don't. On the flip side, this the fact that he's stayed up all night thinking the only way he can be useful not sleeping is opening jars. You think that's a bit more of a... like A, a dig at men. A dig at men, yeah. Yeah, it is a bit, yeah. Well, it, no... They're like, oh look, oh poor Ted, he couldn't, he couldn't sleep. So in a house where we've got everything, the only thing he could do was open little well, jars. I think what it really is, this joke that they should have never have made, and if they did make it, left it well alone, and <laughs> instead decided to carry through the episode. They're like, how can we continue this dreadful joke? And so they've inadvertently, possibly caused a bit more offence. You know what could have happened? There's loads, there's loads of plants in in the Spellman household. He could have been a botanist for for an evening, and could we come downstairs and it's like a jungle in the living room or something? That that would have been funny. Not this whole sexist jar shit. Yeah, they, they very often would make like a, a funny joke there, mm. like you know that he'd really gotten really into something in his sort of delirious, sort of heartbroken, sleep deprived state. You know, he'd done something. You know, like. Like nuts, but instead, made a joke like he paint like in the middle of the night. He painted a picture, and it happens to be a famous picture painting that uh, has been up by an ominous, uh, an anonymous artist. <laughs> Who's an ominous artist? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it could have stayed or, up all or, night and painted the Sistine Chapel or something. Yeah. You know, stayed up all night, written a uh, uh, an award winning novel again that's written by an artist we don't really know 
Who's, yeah. You know, like they could have made a, a relevant joke, but. So then in walks Ted and he's still in his PJs, alarming Sabrina because Harvey is on his way. And with that, the doorbell goes. Um, boys, we melted in oh, our chairs. Oh. <gasps> He's such a sweetie! <laughs> Harvey comes to the door, and already through the glass you can see, he's he's got a shirt and tie on. And we open up the door, and he's got his dad's blazer on, and he's gelled his hair. And for, and for, for those few seconds, the, the, the racism, the sexism, the Sabrina being horrible, that's all in the past, and we are just swooning once again, but probably more than ever. <laughs> yeah. Over, yeah. over, over, lovely, lovely Harvey. He's, he says he wanted to make a good impression. Do you think that will work? And um, and Sabina says, well, he might ask you to do his taxes for him. <laughs> so that's a little. That's at least a joke. That's it. And if just laughing at how big this blazer is. It's, it's yeah. He, he doesn't actually say it's his dad's blazer, but Jesus Christ, this, <laughs> is, made, this, looks this is made for a man much much bigger than Nate Richard. That's for certain. <laughs> oh my days. Yeah. He's desperate to make a good impression with her dad. So hopefully he does. Uh, him and uh, Ted they shake hands, and Sabrina heads out to grab her camera, leaving the two blokes to become more acquainted or not so because it's a little awkward for the pair of them. Sabrina and the lads then head to the arcade before the ice show. You mean the cafeteria? Yeah. Um, this. Um, well, how can we say this? We have the lamest, most awkward, but that... ultimately most disappointing montage I, at least, have ever seen. You haven't even given, done it justice there, Phil. It I was, don't it, it have the words awful. to really talk about it. The montages haven't been great on this show but they've sort of I don't know they've sort of but, been... but at least something's worked with them like the the music has helped yes. drive it along everything about this montage doesn't work the well <laughs> there's a few things Chris <laughs> mentioned that it's the cafeteria which is the first thing <laughs> yeah it's very definitely cafeteria not only is it the cafeteria they shoot from a low angle all the time to try and hide the fact and they can't uh, yeah. second of all there's multiple side gags with different arcade machines and like hot dogs and stuff you know um, all things I guess that you, you do at the arcade and None of them are funny. I can't even remember any of them. They're so bad. Yeah. Um, I think he's he's dunking baskets, and he yeah. has no one. To, and this is Ted. Has no one to cheer with. Yeah. yeah. And he's he's whacking moles um, sadistically because he's because he's heartbroken. Uh, but yeah, they're, they're not. And he's he, does he Dr- s- drowning his hot dog in yeah in, in like way too much ketchup because ketchup. he's off daydreaming about. Yeah. Yeah. But it's guys. Are there any arcades in our town? Are there any? Arcades in Warrington. Amusement arcades? Hmm. Uh, I think there was yeah. I think there was some maybe eighteen, but, twenty years ago. And um, what decade was it, Phil, eighteen, twenty years ago? Oh. That's so nineties. <laughs> yeah. Um arcades are a big deal, but they're not now. <laughs> no, I mean arcades again, this may I think is just a British thing. At seaside towns. Yes. There are arcades on the seafront. Yeah, like, uh, don't know. Rill, Scarborough, Blackpool, Blackpool, Walton on the Nays. They're all, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seaside towns. They have amusement arcades on the seafront. Um, and the stereotypical teenage activity in 90s kid shows is to go to their local arcade wherever they live. There is somewhere where there are numerous machines. Arcades were a big thing. Yeah. There was always. So why did they think it was appropriate to hire in these shitty little games from an arcade to put them in the cafeteria when they could have very easily just gone, you know what? There's an arcade down the road. Shall we shoot there? You yeah. say shitty little machines, Chris, but they're quite big. Yeah. They, it would have been quite a faff. Oh, to, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To deliver them, to ship them in, to get them in situ in this little um, set. Yeah, it would have, I'm sure it would have been a lot easier just to go to a local small arcade, just slip them a few bob at a quiet time, maybe close for an hour. We'll, you know, get some extras in, get the actors in, and just just shoot this very sh- these you know very short scenes. Yeah, it, it wouldn't have taken much effort at all, and it's just. It's so it's so blatant. We've joked about the how recycled the cafeteria is and stuff, but you can make do with most cases. Not here, though. This is just it's just the cafeteria with some arcade machines in it, and it's so lame. And 
But I mean, but going back to the, the, the that's so nice thing, it was what you said before about local arcades. Yeah. That's that's the nineties part of it. Like every you say every town, every uh, district so will have local arcades and we only here we only get them well we used to have them uh, in the cinema didn't we? Yeah. Um, a, yeah. Couple, yeah. a couple of machines but we didn't have an arcade that you'd go to at, at the bowling alley there were a lot of, yeah a lot of machines as well a lot of arcade machines um but how that was that was the hit to go or, or just before we go to the ice show we'll hit the arcade yeah stuff that going to the arcade as an actual like, planned activity is the most 90s thing about this episode. Yeah, I think by by the end of the 90s, when nearly everybody had a games console in their house, it sort of ceased to be a, a thing, yeah. really. So, yeah, there we go. So, after we've had that really tragic uh, montage, uh, we're at the ice rink, thankfully, and Harvey is admiring one of the ice skaters, saying how beautiful she looks. Katarina Witt. A jealous Sabrina uses her magic to make her fall over. Fucking dick moves up. <laughs> she fucking out. She could have broken her leg. She could have do- she ended she- a career. She could have ended up broken a leg, ended a career, severed an artery. I mean, come yeah. on, ice skates, they're fucking sharp. Yeah, you know, Nagano 1999, the Winter Olympics, you know, not not too far away. She might not have recovered in time. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, Sabrina asks Harvey if he's having fun, and he says he is. However, he doesn't think that her dad is. But he's just happy that he hasn't had a man to man talk with him yet. That'll change soon. Ted comes back with some drinks and snacks. Well, carrot juice and raisins, because there was no cue for them. What? <laughs> <laughs> Do you think ice rinks usually serve carrot juice and little boxes of raisins? <laughs> boxes of raisins. I, can I mean, it's such a like a parent move, isn't yeah. it? Ooh, too much sugar in that. Here, have something shit. Um, so Ted comes back with these horrible snacks, and Serena leaves to get some real food, prompting Ted to have that man-to-man chat that Harvey was so worried about. Harvey, if you love a woman, do you think you ought to marry her? Sure, there are a million reasons why, but are any of them any good? How do you know when you're ready? Maybe you never know. Maybe one day, you just have to take that leap. Causing Harvey to go, Sir, I'm only 16! Oh, it is Christ. fucking terrifying! <laughs> Obviously, think, he's thinking Ted is talking about him and Sabs, but like it's <laughs> the sheer panic in his face. Aww. He's like, oh, I'm not ready for this. You really see the age of Harvey, which yeah, is really cute. Yeah, like, yeah, um, yeah again, his uh, heart goes out to him. What, what, what is he What is he letting himself in for, <laughs> getting involved with this family of maniacs? Um, <laughs> Back at the Spellman's, and Zelda is making the most of those open jars by baking a delicious chutney olive peanut butter casserole. Mm-hmm. In walks Sabrina and a depressed Ted. Uh, who had a terrible time and just wants to be alone or play solitaire, as he says. Uh, Sabrina takes Hilda and Zelda upstairs and says that she needs to cheer her dad up as they show a photo that she took during the montage uh, with her magic camera and his teeth doesn't ping. No. Hilda says it's more of a pang than a ping. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so naturally, she magics in a satellite to numb his mind with. But she says no... That's not going to cheer him up. Hilda says that it's because he misses Gail. Sabrina volunteers to go to speak to Gail, much to her aunt's protests. She jumps into the spell book, which is closed, by the way. But that's because she doesn't know where she's going. She doesn't know where the direct page is going. Because she's diving right into the index, where she meets Walker, James T., the index keeper, prompting her to introduce herself properly as Spellman, Sabrina J. Jackass is what the case stands for. So we're just going to quickly introduce you to Walker, comma, James T, who is uh, Patrick Thomas O'Brien. Uh, he's he is another that guy. We were talking about that guy's early, but he's even more of just somebody who will pop up in every little show here and there. Yeah, he's been in episodes of CSI, ER, uh, Drake and Josh, um, Gilmore Girls, Gilmore Girls. Yeah, ev- everything that requires. A forty-something-year-old man. Yeah, like he's a, sort of like a, yeah, sort of like a, a nerdy forty-something. But we'll see him again uh, in Sabrina playing Cupid. In yes, multiple and, later episodes. Yeah, so that'll be interesting to see him. And it's great to. I mean, I mean he had such a career-wise. There's nothing really to, to talk about. But we just wanted to make a reference to him because he's he makes this episode. This this scene, you know, it, again, it's, it, it exists in complete isolation from the unpleasantness that occurs elsewhere, which helps. Um, but this scene is very, very funny and very, very creative. Yeah, it's very quick as well. It's very like it's very frantic, and um, you know, he does an excellent performance. So I'm very excited to see how his uh, portrayal of Cupid is. And, anyway. and I'd like to point out at this moment that they use an entirely different room. Yeah, and they totally. they they've set dressed in. 
And it's not just a bunch of fucking machines hiding in the fucking cafeteria. So Sabrina tells Walker, comma, James T that she needs to find Gail but doesn't know her last name. She tells him that she is a lawyer, but that only narrows it down to 1,332 Gales. The only thing she does know, apart from ice cream topping preferences, but he says they don't record that, is her blood type, which is E negative. The blood type narrows it down to two Gales. However, luckily, one of them is scaly. So she goes for the normal skin type, Gale Kipling. So Sabrina heads to page 875 to find her. Does she make exceedingly good cakes? Is what I want to know. (laughs) Maybe, maybe. Um, I did write it up, but there is... A joke he says just as Sabrina goes. He's looking for he's looking for his keys. Is yeah. it? Is it? Well, the where the where, 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 where the hill Sam did I leave my keys? <laughs> where the Sam Hill? I don't know who Sam Hill is, but it's sort of common American expression. To yeah. Sort of I like saying what the Dickens or something yeah. like that. What the hell? Yeah. yeah. What the heck? We can't really do it justice if you know you couldn't watch this episode. I mean, you have to watch it for how offensive it is, but. Particularly this scene, he's he's so good. Our uh, yeah, Patrick uh, Thomas O'Brien. He's... If you don't want to be offended. Skip through the entirety of this episode, watch this scene, and then go, the <laughs> and, go and go, hmm, that was a good one, wasn't it? Yeah. Sabrina rides the incredibly fast and terrifying tube in the most dull fashion until she finds Gale, who is terribly busy investigating whether it's profitable for Drell to sue himself. Can, can you say as well? So Dre- Drell, we've had two mentions of Drell in this episode, and his interference in the judiciary. Yeah. He wants to sue himself to make money. He wants... He dissolved a judge... Drell is a proper dictator, isn't he? <laughs> he is, so, yeah. You know, he's, it's, there is no independent uh, judiciary. I wonder what conditions the press live under in the other realm. Gail says she doesn't have time for Sabrina until she gets these papers off her desk. So Sabrina blows them away. Jesus Christ, Sabrina. Stop being such an arsehole. You could could see she was busy. You knew she was busy. But it was like, oh no, I'm more important than everything else in the world. So I'm just going to... Throw everything off your desk. I mean, she she's desperate for, in the end, for her dad and Gail to get back together now. She's realised the wrong in her ways. But she could have presented her argument in a decent non- manner. It's just a dick move. It's, it's all- like, you just need to use your words, Sabrina. Don't use your actions. Your actions are negative. Use your words and be positive. Here she comes to do the right thing. And she's still being horrible. <laughs> yeah. Like... She's just, she mm. blows it away and she goes, there we go, they're all gone. And Gail loses her mind and but she, she says, right, you've fair. got five minutes, she it's says. Fair. It's, it's fair. Of course it is. Very much so. Um, so Gail and Sabrina sit down and Sabrina is trying to convince her why she should be with her dad. Sabrina finally matures, and eventually, and realises that the divorce wasn't just hard on her, but on her dad too. And they all need to move on. Gail says that she loves Ted and wants to be with him. So Sabrina ensures her that Ted loves her too, but to give him time for the idea of marriage. Back at the Spellmans and Sabrina presents her dad with a happy and returning Gale, which puts a huge smile on all three of them and causes his mouth to bing, bing. Nice. In the kitchen and Hilda and Zelda are eating the last three open jars of food, which are marshmallow fluff, marmalade and capers. They decide to split them. I think Hilda has the marshmallow, Zelda has the marmalade, and they split the capers. Yeah. And you can see them, like, they're trying to avoid them. Maybe they are legit capers. <laughs> I think so. You see, Hilda is, like, avoiding it, but at the end of this scene, Zelda takes a big mouthful, and you can tell in that marmalade there are quite a few black circles in it. Like, And she says it's really hitting the spot. Her face does not say that. <laughs> <laughs> and you know the same. We were saying, like, you know the second that... The, the director shouts, cut. <laughs> <laughs> it's similar to, I uh, remember this, uh, it was an episode of Blue Peter, you know when the borrowers? Yeah. See, that's going back this time, about 20 years or so, yeah, isn't yeah. it? Um, they were interviewing the uh, the the main cast, the, the two children, um, but you know when they're in the freezer eating chocolate ice cream? Oh, yeah. It was chocolate mashed potato. Oh, no. And they were there going like, it looked delicious, but it was the worst thing they put in the mouth, even though it was, because they said the potato didn't, like, fought off the chocolate. So it was just brown potato they were eating. Oh, no. <laughs> Gross. Um, so Sabrina comes in and says that she's really happy for her dad and Gail, but suddenly remembers about her mom and whether she's happy. Hilda suggests that she uses the magic sneaker peek, a magnifying glass that lets her see anything anywhere in the world. All she needs to do is hold it up to the map in her spell book 
So she heads upstairs to do just that. It's like George Orwell's 1984. It is. Spy on whoever the fuck you want. The book's like Skype. That could just you could just watch someone if the book was open on the right page or the wrong page, depending who you are. And now you can just use use a magnifying glass on a map in a book. And look, there's a mortal that I can spy on. What the fuck is this? But it's alright, Chris, because apparently the picture quality is so terrible it doesn't make people feel uncomfortable. Oh yeah, that's fine. What? Um, so she holds it up to her map and she zooms into Peru with a really cool sort of sort of like she's like she's navigating something in the sea. Uh, she spots her mom digging for artifacts, happy and enjoying her work. Allegedly with a cute colleague, and but he doesn't look like that. Uh, she finally comes to terms with everyone moving on, apart from Salem, who is transfixed on a beam of light shining on the ceiling that will keep him put for the next five hours. Sabrina, happy, finally gets a ping in her own teeth. And she nearly got a punch in her teeth from all of us. Yeah, I like Salem being distracted by, by the... the um... The uh, shaft of light again. He's just he's just becoming a cat. Yeah, and he does more of that in the next episode <laughs> yeah. as well. Uh, something more cat-like as well. Join the credits, and the family are playing that game of charades that was teased ages ago. And Sabrina is stuck on Hilda's team, which is very bad because she's very bad. Failing to grasp the answer and the game, Sabrina magics up Salem, standing on a burning hot tin roof. Or. Obviously, a cat on a hot tin roof. Chris, you got that straight away, didn't you? Yeah, within... You weren't, you weren't even paying attention. You no. Just, cat on a hot tin roof. Yeah, she were... Uh, it's a play, six words, and then she... It sounds like... And I figured she was putting on a hat. So that's a cat. Yeah. Cat on a hot tin roof. Nailed it. Straight away. Instead, Salem had to be tortured in order for <laughs> to get the uh, answer. <laughs> So there we go, that is the end, thank fuck, of episode 20, <laughs> Meeting Dad's Girlfriend. Um, I assume this is going to be a quick process. Graeme, what did you think of it? <laughs> um, <laughs> I enjoyed talking about it, but... Not watching it. Not watching it. There was uh, so many problems with this, so many, and we've... we've, we've like forensically sort of taking it apart so there's almost nothing left to say I loved the uh, index scene, I thought it was one of the best individual scenes in the episode so far which redeemed it from utter you know, uselessness I thought Harvey looked adorable in his so suit cute. and was so like sweet and you know sort of trying to deal with uh, Ted and his, his, his craziness um, so those were the plus points the negatives we've already been through yeah. there are a lot of them they weren't cool so yeah not not a good episode no uh, Chris as the angry man of the group I assume it's short and sweet what do you think of this episode oh, for fuck's sake <laughs> that's, that's all that's it I've got nothing else to say yeah I'll, ju- I'll just get even I'll just get shouty don't waste don't waste your, your voice on shouting about this episode we've, we've reviewed this episode throughout you know how we feel about it I agree with you Graham yeah huh? Seeing a little cute side of Harvey was great. The index scene was great. Uh, the magic diving into the book was was top. But everything around it, it was it was a dull episode. Nothing really happened. But the only things that did happen were offensive and unnecessary. Yeah. And yeah, there's not really much more to say on it. No. Chris, I'm looking forward to this. Your score, because every week. Christopher is our rank master. He's in charge of setting the bar on what this episode is. And boy, this one is no doubt going to be a cracker. Right. I, I really can't be asked to think of what it is out of. Do you want to know why? Because it was racist, it was sexist, it was infuriating, and basically, if you want to watch a teenager be a smarmy little shit, watch the episode. Or go outside and witness the youth of today. Whatever you feel like. So I'm giving it a two out of go fuck yourself. Graham, two out of go fuck yourself. Agree? maybe because I really really like the index scene but yeah yeah I'm I'm gonna go 2.5 <laughs> definitely the worst episode we watched in a weaker show you would have sort of probably not been as sort of driven to uh, despair by it but because we know because we know that they can do better as much as, much as we shout and scream we're not angry we're just disappointed exactly so mm. I give it 2.5 go fuck yourself <laughs> um, an episode that will definitely rank, rate it back up I think this is a fantastic episode which is next episode 21 boys do you all know what it's called go on then it's called As Westbridge Turns Ooh. giving absolutely nothing away As Westbridge Turns yeah so Chris go first what do you think it's going to be about I don't know uh, a tornado rips through and takes them all to the wonderful Wizard of Oz I have no idea <laughs> 
that, that's as likely as anything. Um, yeah, uh, God, um, maybe everything is opposite somehow. Hmm? I, I, maybe everything's sort of like, maybe everyone's like personalities sort of switch and everything. And I don't know, so, something, something is, some upset to the natural order is caused, but I'll be buggered if I know what it is. Maybe, maybe there's a disease going around, turns, or something's gone off. I've no idea. <laughs> what the <laughs> fuck is it? Um, yeah, the title gives nothing away, uh, but Graeme is kind of the closest in a very sort of vague way. Uh, as Westbridge turns, uh, Sabrina, bored by her everyday life, decides to use a spell to make it as exciting as a soap opera. And oh boy, is it exciting. Oh, as the world turns, of course, yeah. as a soap opera in America. Uh... Yeah. So, uh, yeah, the natural order of things become very dramatised and it's a very funny, daft episode. That does sound like like something enjoyably zany. This has definitely got the best guest appearances in this. Not necessarily by name, but in terms of the characters they play are really, really good. So that is As Westbridge Turns, episode 21. Join us for that one next week. Um, It's been an absolute fucking ordeal, but thank you very much for being here with me, Graham. (sighs) It's over. <laughs> and thank you, Chris, <laughs> in your fragile state of mind. Thank you for joining me for this episode. I need a beer. <laughs> oh, I've been Phil Dean, and this has been a fucking awful episode. <laughs> Not us, we've been great. Sabrina, poor form. Sabrina the Teenage Watch is available in many different formats, so whether you're listening to us on SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, or iTunes, please leave us a comment or a review. Your support means we get more listeners and it means our hard work is not going to waste. And we can look at ourselves in the mirror. If you want to contact us or keep up to date with our episodes, you can follow us on Twitter at SabrinaWatch. You can find us on Facebook. Just search for Sabrina the Teenage Watch and there we shall be. And thank you to you for listening wherever you are. And remember, may every little thing you do be be magic. magic.